Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. It normally gives me like an option. I guess it's coming away. Did I freeze? Uh, yeah, a little yeah, bit, but I mean, I can hear you. Cool. Awesome. Well, then let's get started with this uh, this whole shindig. Um, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning back in with us. You'll be able to tell instantly off the bat that there's a sense of levity in our voice, and that's because we are not burdened by the death-like grip of old age. Uh, welcome back to Not Quite Cool. I am here with Chad Dowdy. Chad, how are you today? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, we can say that Rob is too busy. He's on set or doing something like that. But really, he just didn't hasn't watched anything. Not it, one thing. It, just Matlock over and over again before he goes <laughs> to bed. That's all he watched. No, what, what is it? Elementary. He's watched Elementary. That's elementary. Right. I was trying to think of what, what he was telling us his bedtime routine. And, talk, and then I take my Robitussin and then I sit and I forgot what he had watched then. Um, but yeah, and I'm Keith Brooks, and we are uh, absent, Rob absent, so this Rob cast is not complete, but that's totally fine. We're still going to have a good time talking about a shit ton of movies uh, and TV shows that we watched. And let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, this first one up is uh, the newest movie. I almost said the MCU, and I almost should have said the MCU. I don't really know. Let's talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Now, there's going to be a bunch of spoilers as we're talking about this, and I wanted to get this one out of the fucking way first so I could spoil everything about it. Chad, you saw Venom, uh, the highly anticipated follow-up to the original film. This directed by Andy Serkis, starring Woody Harrelson, Tom Hardy, Naomi Harris, Michelle Williams. Uh, what did you think about Venom, Let There Be Carnage? I think it's going to be more fun to hear you vent about it. But, you know, from my side, it's not great. It's it's just fine. Uh, it, he's not Venom. No. To me, at all. There's no, I mean, he looks like Venom. There's some Venom stuff. He's not Venom. I thought that uh, Carnage was fine. You know, there wasn't any, like, comedy to Carnage or anything like that. Woody Harrelson, that was all fine. But as far as the movie overall, I, I don't know what it was doing. You know, I, I told you that I had a problem with the trailer because I was like, what is the tone of this movie? It's, it's like all over the place. It really seemed like in moments when Venom was talking in his head, it, I was like watching a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie. And Venom was the audience saying things. And most of the jokes did not land. A few of the jokes did land. But it really reminded me of Mystery Science Theater in that yeah. regard. Yeah, because it was a shitty movie. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, hated this film. I, I, I thought it was so bad, man. Like, I can't even pretend to hide it. I thought the best part of the film was the relationship between Venom and Eddie. But even that just wore on me. And, and at times it was a Three Stooges routine. And Definitely. I, felt, I felt the whole fucking movie was just missed opportunities. There's one scene. So we go throughout the entire film and Eddie just wants Michelle Williams' character back because he doesn't want to wait for his life to be over or whatever the Dawson's Creek song was. And finally, there's this moment where the symbiote embodies her 
and won't talk to Eddie until Eddie apologizes. So you have this beautiful setup where Eddie could say all of the things that he wanted to say to Michelle Williams's character and, and get closure, move on, have a fucking character arc. But no, we're, we're going to do an Abbott and Costello routine instead. And it's just dumb. It's just dumb. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, it's a lot of dumb. That's for sure. And I'll tell you, when uh, there's a moment when Woody Harrelson broke his girl out of jail and they're driving in the car and there's like explosions in the background and stuff. And I thought of Natural Born Killers. Obviously. And it made me think, oh, I wish it would have been Juliette Lewis oh. cast as his girl. That would have been perfect. And then that's all I could think about the rest of the movie. Yeah. It was like, man, I wish this was Juliet Lewis. I wish this was Juliet Lewis. It would have been perfect yeah. for the two of them to be like that, you know, driving off like that. Uh, all that being said, the movie, let's talk about like the real meat of this. The thing we really care about, and it's the stinger at the end. And, and if you haven't watched this movie, good on you. I watched it and it ruined my life. I, I, I can't see colors as brightly anymore because this movie was such a piece of shit. But the post credit stinger for Venom Let There Be Carnage somehow finds Venom in the MCU. Um, and he's watching a television where he sees uh, Spider-Man. My internet connection is unstable, it says. But that's just like all of my exes. That's fine. Um, so... Venom is a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Somehow he gets and it's the it. Tom Holland Spider Man. Yeah, because it shows Tom Holland, not just Spider Man. It shows Tom Holland. Yeah. So we see Venom get teleported. We don't know how, um, but there's a lot of stuff in the Venom movie where we don't know how. All of a sudden, somebody gets superpowers because they fell <laughs> on a fucking beam or something. Anyway, um, but so the key factor is we are going to get Tom Holland and Tom Hardy in the same film mono a mono and the, and the, the problem was the movie was so fucking bad that even that couldn't excite me and that's kind of fucking rough but i do like the concept i'm happy we're going to see venom and spider-man together as it should be it shouldn't have happened this fucking way it should have happened ugh, talk chad just talk <laughs> well so i was i was super excited about the ending because again he's going to be in a quote MCU movie, I feel like that they will rein in a little bit of silliness, you know, as far as that goes. So it really will be, you know, Venom and Spider-Man may team up because he's an anti-hero, but I don't think it's going to be that much of an Abbott and Costello routine when he's a part of the MCU. That being said, this movie made $90 million over the weekend. So Venom Part Three, same old thing. That's what's happening. Yeah, it is, he's it, coming. It, oh, it pisses me off so bad because that movie, like, even oh, the film is poorly edited. The film is poorly written. It made Woody Harrelson look bad as an actor. Like at times, it's just it was a disaster. Like I feel this was a straight the TV movie in the nineties is how I felt about it. Um, and literally, it's just changed my disposition about life. Uh, after having watched it. <laughs> now, the original Venom, did, did you have this vitriol for it? What oh, the original? I wouldn't say this much vitriol. I, I would say that I didn't enjoy the original Venom. I, I, 
a part of me was upset because it's like, well, how are you going to tell the fucking Venom story without Spider-Man? Spider-Man's a huge component of that story. Okay, this is what we're doing. All right, this is dumb, but I'll go along with the ride. And at least the first one sort of, I guess, worked for me. It wasn't good, but it worked. This one just didn't work at all. Like, no parts of it worked for me. It was cartoony in all the worst ways and, and just... Just bad. Ugh, just bad. Ugh. I hated it. Um, it had a lot wrong with it, but, you know, like I said, I didn't hate it as much as you. Oh, no, clearly. <laughs> My Zack Snyder Justice League. But let's let's move on to uh, what watching Venom, Let There Be Carnage, made me want to happen in my life. Uh, I don't know. The segue's bad. Till Death. <laughs> that's, that's what we were talking about. Um, and uh, Till Death is directed by Scott Dale, starring Megan Fox. Yoan Mackin, Callan Mulvey, Jack Roth, and Ami Amin. And I didn't watch this, but apparently Chad did. Um, We saw the preview for this, and we talked about it on a previous episode. What did you think about the film Till Death? I actually like this one. Um, I thought just at the beginning it was a little bit slow, but once, you know, which we saw in the the preview, once she wakes up handcuffed to her husband, which granted might happen in the first 20 minutes so it was just that first 15 or 20 is a little bit slow but once that happens it's like let's go you know balls to the wall you know uh it was great just it was really her Megan her as in Megan Fox it was her movie you know oh, she's yeah. every scene she's in a lot of times it's just her in the scene uh and I thought she did you know a fine job like it was definitely suspenseful uh I enjoyed it and the other piece is I think if uh I think you should check this out on Netflix. The people, if, if you're not a fan of, uh, if you are a fan of Megan Fox, check it out because you're going to like it because it's Megan Fox. If you're not a fan, don't let that stop you. Because okay. I still feel like, uh, you know, there's no like over-sexualization of Megan Fox. You know, it's not oh, like Transformers, not Megan Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, trust me, she's beautiful <laughs> in the movie. Okay. And a lot of times she doesn't have a lot of clothes on because of the situation or whatever. Oh, but it's not like, it's not like to me. I didn't really felt feel like it was filmed like through the male gaze, if that makes sense. Uh, they didn't like draw attention, like it didn't like show her butt all the time or anything like that, you know. So don't let it stop you from watching it if you think, oh, it's a Megan Fox movie. But but yeah, I thought it was good. Good, I liked it. Yeah, and I, I don't have anything against Megan Fox, and and plus it's it's Halloween season, guys. You got to watch. Just want her against you. I desperately uh, till death at least, um, and so it's. Uh, it's Halloween season, so go watch some creepy, spooky movies, and this seems creepy, spooky ten, uh, tangent. Um, so, uh, and so does our next one, our next film, directed by Simon Barrett, who wrote um, your next. He wrote uh, Blair Witch, the latest Blair Witch. Um, it, it works a lot with Adam Wingard, but he directed this film, and the film is entitled Seance. It's a Shutter exclusive that stars Inanna Sarkis, Suki Waterhouse, Ella Ray Smith, Madison Beatty, Stephanie Sai, Megan Best, and Jade Michael. Um, what did you think about the film Seance? I dug this one. Um, as far as you guys know how I feel about Adam Wingard. I, you know, I'm a big fan, but because he's worked with Adam Wingard, you know, in those movies, also the guest he wrote. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, so, you know, I'm a fan of this. I love your next. I love that movie. I so I feel like I'm, I'm going to watch just about anything this guy writes, uh, at least in the horror space. Yeah. And that's what this was. So I dug this a lot. Um, I felt like that um, what I really liked about it was that it was a mystery 
And even though it's a seance about like a, you know, a ghost or something, it wasn't like a mystery, a ghost did it, that type yeah. of situation. Yeah. It was a true mystery with maybe some supernatural elements thrown in, but it's not just like really a ghost doing everything. Yeah. And it's not even that same element of like, you know, like stir of echoes where the ghost is trying to point you towards the killer. I mean, I guess there's an element of that in here, but it takes you a while to get to that in this movie. Um, I would say like at the beginning of this movie, I didn't really care for it. I felt like it was shot sort of flat, but the main actress is really fucking great. Um, her and the, the lady that plays Helena were, were awesome. And then by the time we get to the third act, I was totally in. Some of those kills were fucking nasty as shit. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun by the end. I felt like it at times wanted to be the craft. At times it wanted to be a Jalo film. At times it the entire time it was lit and shot like a porn and like just had like a porn premise at the beginning of it. Um, but but it was okay. Like I, I wound up really enjoying it, even though I found the beginning kind of sluggish. But that main actress, Sookie Waterhouse or whatever the true blood yep. character's name is, every time she was on screen, I was like, she just has something charismatic about her that I really enjoy. Um, yeah, I did feel like, you know, not, I don't know as much about uh, on set movies as, as you do. But yeah, I did think the lighting was weird in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand, like, why it doesn't look like a real movie totally at all it looked it looked it looked fake it looked and that's why i say it looked like a porn like a lot of times you have when you're doing lighting you want to make sure you have layers so things look like they have depth and this one just looked fucking flat and even the framing looked weird but i i don't know if this is his first film directorially or if this was done for shit ass cheap um i know he has a, a vast experience writing all the way back up to that movie dead birds i think which is like a civil war um creepy movie um but yeah it, it was still the concepts were great and i could see how this would be a writer's movie because there are a lot of twists and there are a lot of turns in it uh that are enjoyable i i, I dug it plus yeah there's some like two brutal last deaths and those deaths are pretty uh, righteous. Um, but speaking of brutal things that we watched, uh, our next one is probably the most terrifying of all time. And that's Lego star Wars, terrifying <laughs> tales uh, directed by Ken Cun Cunningham, uh, who I think is also like a visual artist and, and stuff like that. Um, starring the voices of Christian Slater, Jake Green, Matt Sloan, Dana Snyder, Tony Hale, Trevor Duvall, Raphael Alejandro, uh, Sam Witwer. Um, yeah, what did you think about this 46 minutes Halloween special of Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales? You know, this one, I wasn't really feeling this. I, I really like the, uh, the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Me too. Like, I really like that one. And so I guess I went in thinking like, oh, this, this should be like that as good as that. Or, you know, especially it's got a little horror element, you know, a little spookiness to it, if you will. Uh, but I'm hard pressed right now to even remember what the shorts were about. Uh, well, I can tell you because I kind of enjoyed this. Uh, the first one, what I liked about this is all of these Lego cartoons, if, if it's Star Wars or DC, whatever, they embrace the entirety of the canon of something. And they're like, all of it's fucking part of the storyline. Let's go for it. Yeah, like holiday special was the original holiday special that everybody 
dates. Yeah. Everybody they're like, nope, it's life day or whatever it is. Yeah, 100% we're accepting that. And so this one had three different stories set in three different time periods. So the first one was a Lost Boys ripoff uh, about Kylo Ren and how he got his name. And the fact that they were so legit to the Lost Boys thing seemed, seemed like such a random, even to the fact they had the saxophone player. <laughs> like, it, it was incredible. <laughs> and Christian Slater playing the Kiefer Sutherland one. That's great. Uh, the second one was a prequel story about Grievous and um, uh, Darth Maul uh, going after the lightsaber. And I remember then, the Maul one, yeah, because because he was getting his legs and from the Night Sisters and all that. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one was uh, original trilogy, and it was the Wookiee's paw. So it was the monkey's paw, Twilight Zone sort of style um, episode. Oh yeah, and it was like the story. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do like about these is that I do feel like that you can, whatever, they're canon, not canon, whatever. But I like how it's set, you know, in the future. It's really after the the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. You right. know, so I like that. I like that, you know, we're kind of getting a glimpse of more, you know, of what's in the future, whether or not you, you go there say that it's real or not. You know, it's, so that, that that's kind of cool. But yeah, I didn't like this one as much. I feel like, this is what I really feel like. I feel like the holiday special is something they worked on and this one was more like, oh, that worked. Let's rush, let's rush something and have something for Halloween. Mm. I, I, That's I the way see, I felt. I could totally see that. Uh, but at the same time, I enjoyed uh, I, I think Dana Snyder's hilarious always. So just to hear his voice, I really liked I didn't like the Tony Hale character who was supposed to be Darth Vader's like I guess Butler until the very end when he took his final form. And I thought that was a cool little choice. And I like the fact that you could these stories could be canon or you even have this built-in device after he tells the Luke Skywalker story where Poe's like, that's not how it fucking happened. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, say maybe they're not canon, whatever. Um, I, I thought it was clever and it was cute and it's a cool like little excursion into Star Wars land. Um, but, but so is our next one. And our next one is a nine episode series on Disney Plus. Um, and it is called Star Wars Visions, a brilliant concept of taking the Star Wars mythos and putting it out there for different anime studios to work on. Um, and we have uh, several uh, high name actors. Let me look this up real quick so I can give you some of the voice talent. Simu Liu, uh, Allison Bree, David Harbour, Tamara Morrison, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Karen Fukuhara, Henry Golding. And the list goes on and on. Uh, Brian T, who played uh, Scorpion. Uh, no, did you play Scorpion? I think you played Scorpion. I don't know if you played Scorpion. Anna Cathart, Jordan Fisher, Jamie Chung, Nicole Sakura. Nine different episodes. Each episode drastically different than the one that came before it, giving you different visions of what the Star Wars universe is or could be. Uh, what did you think about the Star Wars version of What If, basically? So, you know, like you're saying how they were all drastically different. And because of that, some were hits and some were misses to yeah. me. I, enough so to where, though... That if there was a season two of Visions, I'd check it out and I'd be like, "Yeah, let's let's see what they do." Uh, the one that stood out to me though the most was the first one, me too. which was the duel. That one was excellent. Excellent. And I and I remember thinking like, "Oh man, if they're all like this, this yeah. is going to be great." And then sadly, and, they weren't all like that. No, they weren't. <laughs> and some were just like, legitimately, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, how long is this one going to go on? It's only like 15 minutes. And I'm still like, oh my gosh. So some were hit, some were not. I like the three that I really liked. The duel was the best, hands down. 
Yeah. I like the Elder, which me is too. similar to the Duel to me. And then the Ninth Jedi was was fine. I thought that one was. Those were the exact three I would choose, and the rest of them just weren't my cup of tea. Um, they were yep. fine, I guess, but those three were the ones that I, I really dug. I mean, it's interesting to have JGL lead a rock band for Jabba the Hutt, whatever. <laughs> it was weird. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> it's so weird. But I've always found that part of Star Wars to be strange, where they'll have things that are we just associate with our modern time. You know what I mean? It's always weird to me that Star Wars has banks and fucking bands playing <laughs> bars, but whatever. Well, that's why it was crazy in uh, what is the last Jedi where they introduced the fact of, Oh no, our spaceships need gas. Yeah. It's going to run out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> what? And, There's and gas got, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And I guess casinos and all that, it makes sense. I guess it's <laughs> weird, I guess. So whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I would watch a second season of it if they came out with one, uh, which I'm sure they probably will because it, it seemed like it was moderately successful. But that first episode was hands down the, the ballsiest, the most entertaining. Yeah, I loved it when he pulled out the, the saber and it was red. But it was just because he had a red lightsaber. It had nothing to do with the fact that he was like, you know, Sith necessarily. But then that he was, was a cool. Sith hunter. That was dope. He <laughs> yeah. Hyper crystals for fucking days. That was, yeah. that was awesome to me. And I think this is like a cool little testing ground too. Much like I feel their Disney Plus shows are. If like, hey, we can experiment with this. Hey, if one of these catches on bam you go into production you know what i mean yeah uh, and and so it's a smart move disney they're making money granted they had to give like 40 million of it away to scarlett johansson but that's fine that's she, she's earned it um, yeah absolutely she's fine as fuck she can take all the money awesome <laughs> um so speaking of scarlett johansson and disney making all the money we had how many episodes three episodes of what three. to catch up on cool so let's try to remember the last three episodes so we had so uh, the oldest one was Killmonger. Okay. And then the one uh, in the middle was Party the four. four. And then the Vision, yeah. Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet. So as far as the Killmonger one goes, um, it was totally fine. It wasn't totally fine. near the top of the best episodes. But what it did, though, it just, you know, it made me think like, um, and I just want Killmonger back in the MCU live action. He's just, he's just a great character. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan is awesome. He, he was awesome in this episode. Uh, so it just made me like want him to bring him back. Yeah. And especially it also makes Chadwick me, going. Yeah. Especially it makes me super sad that Chadwick, because that relationship, like one of the things that's the best part of the MCU for me is Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston playing off each other. Granted, they can play off anybody, but that brotherly dynamic when they're reunited is always super fun. And it would be wonderful to have had that with Killmonger and T'Challa. Like right, continuing throughout. Um, and sadly, we won't get that. But yeah, fucking Michael B. Jordan's a beast. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, the next one is the Thor party episode. Uh, you know, so that's just a, it was just a fun episode with a ton, a ton of cameos. Of you know, some of them was the real voice actors and then some were just, you know, likeness and stuff. But so this was just a fun, low stakes. I think, I think this was a nice change of pace. From what we've been seeing, you know, with like, you know, zombies eating them. Killmongers, for what the episode was, it's a heavy episode because, yeah. you know, what he, you know, what he's all about. And this is a nice, I think, palate cleansing before we get to the next episode. And even that, you know, you're talking about Thor and Hiddleston, uh, Hemsworth and Hiddleston, even that they were awesome together in this one. Yeah. How they were just like making jokes, how they were just, you know, 
partying together. Um, and then even at the end of the episode when Ultron Vision shows, shows up. up. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. Which leads us into our next episode of uh, Vision uh, Ultron getting the Infinity Stones and becoming a devourer of worlds, basically. How did you feel about that one? Uh, you know, I texted you guys. This is the best episode so far. By far. By far. It, it was excellent. Yeah. I love the fact that the Watcher's talking and the Ultron, like, hears him or senses him. And he turns like, well, who is that or whatever? And then he actually fights the Watcher. I, I loved it. That was awesome. And I kind of, uh, so I didn't know that this upcoming episode is the finale, the season finale. I didn't know that. I looked after the fact. But I just, even watching this episode, I was like, this is going to be a two-parter. I feel like this is not going to be solved in this 30 minutes or, or whatever the length of the episode was. I don't know. So, um so I felt like it was going to like end on a cliffhanger. And, you know, when they were fighting and actually hitting different multiverses or whatever, if you will, I was thinking like, man, just give me one bald dude in a wheelchair. You don't have to say who he is. Just just put that in the background. doesn't matter. He's not necessarily Professor X. Yeah. Just throw somebody that looks like Storm, you know, or something in the background. Instead, uh, you potentially got Mustafar from fucking Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <It's crazy. laughs> exactly. But then, you know, the end was awesome how the Watcher is like asking for help with evil Doctor Strange. It seems like, you know, and this I've heard this as a rumor, you know, where it's kind of they're all going to kind of come together. Yeah. So we might get, you know, some of the multiverse Avengers come together to fight this Ultron. So, I mean, uh, this is almost, if you think about it, these episodes were almost like how they, if it plays out that way, how they constructed the MCU. They have, they introduce these characters singly. They come together to fight a threat. Then they all come together to fight an even bigger threat. And so now we've got what if we've seen individual episodes, not thinking that they're linked in any way, because they told us they're it's just a part of the multiverse, but they might all come together to fight the big bad threat. Yeah. Use that formula, it works. Like so, 100%. I'm all for this next episode. Me too. And, and I feel like in this past episode, I, I love James Spader. Ross Ross Marquand did a great job on the voice, but I feel this was a more true adaptation of who Ultron is than anything we saw in the MCU. Um, yeah, and it was great. He was threatening. He was uh, devious. He was evil. He was terrifying. All of it. It was just. A, it was a fun, great episode. I loved to see that Dragon Ball Z fight that they had throughout the multiverse was great. Right. Uh, and it was just epic as shit. And, and you could tell like it was made with love to the comics. Cause at a point, like when fucking, uh, with Owatsu went all uh, Sailor Moon on us, he got the Jack Kirby, like cosmic fizz going on and everything. And that, yep. was, that was great. I loved it. Yeah. And really, uh, I didn't see that it was going that way. Cause the beginning of the episode just seemed really like the age of Ultron comic. It's just like, oh, we're just going to get the Age of Ultron story where he takes over and it's the future. But no, they they went all out. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, great episode. Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, and then uh, the next thing that I want to talk about is a couple of other great episodes, but maybe in a different format than you're used to. I think I'm the only one that uh, listened to this. Uh, and I listened to four episodes of Batman The Audio Adventures on HBO Max where they try to recreate a 1930s-ish 
um, radio serial, right? Um, and it's kind of awesome. And it has uh, an awesome cast. Fred Armisen as King Scimitar. Ike Barinholtz as Harvey Dent Two-Face. Rosario Dawson as Catwoman. Uh, Tim Meadows as Dr. Arkham. Seth Meyers as Jack Ryder. Bobby Moynihan as the Penguin. Chris Parnell as the narrator. Paul Shear as Mr. Charlie Horse. Brooke Shields as Vicky uh, Vale. Brent Spiner as the Joker. Jason Sudeikis as Hamilton Hill. Keenan Thompson as Commissioner Gordon. Alan Tudyk as Alfred. Uh, Melissa Villasenor as Robin. Bray Wise as uh, several different characters. John Leguizamo as the Riddler and Jeffrey Wright as the voice of Batman and it's like fun it's I, I'm a big fan of radio shows I, I I've done my own my own audio podcast thing and uh recently I've been interested just learning different versions of that formatting right how what all kinds of experiments can you do within that medium and this is like very classical old school Superman style the narrator's leading you up to the point and then you just see the action unfold but it, a great voice cast it leans on the cheesy side but it's a lot of fun to listen to it um and i think it's like 10 episodes and they i listened to the first four and they were super fun they're loosely connected but it's definitely robin learns a lesson in almost every episode that he's in and all that sort of stuff and so it's like several just vignettes stitched together with commercials and everything like that they have this commercial for i think his name's bilbo the clown and his theme song is like just a regular clown not associated with the joker he's just a clown it's a bad time to be a clown <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best little song ever that's <laughs> awesome so it's yeah i highly recommend it it's on hbo max i think the first two episodes are on youtube for free um and then another show i watched a couple episodes of i think i'm on episode five is squid game uh which is stars uh lee jung jai greg chun and stephen Fu. um it is netflix's star show right now uh arguably set to become their biggest show of all time and uh it's okay okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm not as big of a fan as everybody else is because everybody else was talking about how oh my god it's so brutal it's so fucked up but i'm like we must watch different things that's funny you think this is fucked up it's not it's not like it is battle royale meets saw with a quarter of the blood maybe um and, and it's barely happening like i'm in episode four and there's been two rough scenes everything else plays off like a k-drama which is fine i like that a lot but it's you know i think people were talking about it like this is the perfect halloween watch and i'm like mm, it's, um you know i so again i've heard from it's all over you know it's, oh gosh you gotta watch this it's gonna be you know it's awesome and all that and i just haven't watched it because um during october I watch uh, at least thirty-one like horror, spooky, whatever yeah. films. Yeah, and there and there's stuff I haven't seen before. It's it's all you know. I, I tried to watch you know new stuff, and it could just be something I missed you know the yeah. ten years ago or something. But because of that, I don't make the time for any series or anything like that. So, uh, Squid Game is something that I was like, oh yeah, I'll check it out in November when I'm done with this you know horror movie watch or whatever. But yeah. You're saying it's not even worth it, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I know there's supposed to be a big twist coming in a couple of oh, Okay. Um, but for me, it's all right. It's, it's it's As long as you don't go in expecting it to be the bloodiest fucking thing, as some people have made it out to be, then yeah, it's it's enjoyable enough. Um, it's well acted. It It's a Korean drama. 
mixed with like and it never goes as severe as like most Korean revenge films would like sympathy for Mr. Vengeance or old boy or anything like that. It's never going that far, at least so far, but has still great dramatic moments that are happening. The most compelling stuff is when they're playing the games that they're talking about. But out of four episodes, that's maybe two scenes that I've seen so far. Um, I also watched the first episode of Midnight Mass, which is a much better Halloween pick just from that one episode than Squid Game is. But don't get me wrong, I'm going to finish watching Squid Game because I am enjoying it, but it's just, I don't think it's living up to the hype for me that it did for me. And I'm doing the same thing. What have you uh, watched Halloween-wise so far? Uh, So, again, for the most part, it's like older movies I have never seen. And I just missed for whatever reason. So I never watched The Devil's Rejects. Oh. So that's one that I watched um, last night. Uh, let's see what else I have here on my list. I watched um, the, that Scoob movie on uh, HBO Max. I haven't. I haven't watched it yet, though. It's not Scooby-Doo to me, man. It's not whatever. Uh, so it was like a Till Death Counts, Seance. You know, those, those all count, obviously, uh, toward it. Um, Sleepaway Camp 2. I never watched oh, any classic Angel Returns or whatever. It's, yeah. Yep. Um, and 13 Ghosts, the remake. Uh, with Matthew Lillard. That's a yep. classic one. And Am- Amityville Horror with uh, Ryan Reynolds, the remake of that. Fantastic. I like I like that one as well. I always feel weird about, let's just talk, let's just have a manly conversation real quick. Because in 13 Ghosts, the remake, Shannon Elizabeth is in it. And I think she shows her breast westerns, right? But I... Uh, you know, it she doesn't, but they there's a scene where she gets like all scratched up, and I think it's like real close. I it's think. like real close, yeah. And I always felt weird as a child because it's like she's hot, but that's also abuse. Is this gonna make me a serial killer now? You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's what a, a very conflicting feelings happening in that. I, I also thought again, this is the first time I've watched it now at this age. I thought that that script was written the way she played it. She played it like a. 14 year old girl yeah like she definitely played it much younger than whatever she was in the movie 22 even if she was playing an 18 year old she played it like like the girl from old after she grew up that's the way she was playing it and i was like they just got her because it was shannon elizabeth and she was somebody at this point that was not the age of that character character they didn't change anything I was such a fan of William because I was again a nerd and nobody loved me as a small child. So I was a huge fan of the William Castle movies before this came out. And so when I heard they were doing a 13 Ghosts movie, the original 13 Ghosts is like an adventure. It's like a Disney movie with 3D glasses. And I'm like, what a fucking weird thing to think. And then I go and I see it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Where are the treasure hunters? Like, it's a very drastically different film. Um, I've watched, I do the Halloween thing as well. So, so far I've done Seance, uh, Star Wars, Terrifying Tales, whatever it is. I get, that counts, yep. And uh, I've done Razorback, uh, which is an Aussie movie about a giant pig. And yep. uh, Come to Daddy, which is an Elijah Wood fucking weird ass movie on Amazon. Uh, where he has a very scary mustache. So that's that. Um, well, you know, a lot of it, what I end up watching is some remakes and stuff, because definitely when I was younger, I went through like a pretentious phase of, I'm not going to watch, you don't need to remake that movie. I'm not going to watch that. That's stupid. Yeah. So I missed a lot of remakes back in the day. 
which I don't, those two remakes, you talk Amityville Horror and uh, 13 Ghosts. I don't think the remake of Amityville Horror is as good as the original Amityville Horror, but I still like it. Um, I don't think it is either, but I also think that it's different. Uh, the original Amityville Horror is to me more cerebral. And there's not like, and it could just be the time. There's no jump scares. There's not like, oh, you see crazy ghosts in the window every, you know, this, they leaned heavily into like, you know, the, the original Amityville Horror, I could see that as, that really happened that way in real life almost. Yeah. You know, the way they played it off. It's supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, which is the way it's supposed to be, exactly. Where this one is just like insane, you know, the stuff that they're showing you and stuff, which I get it. They're just, you know, turning up the volume. It's fine. Yeah, that's always been one of my dream projects to anybody out there listening, which is Mel Prago. Um, One of my, and I don't know if he listens to ones without a son. Maybe he's more comfortable (laughs) listening to ones without a son. But uh, one of my dream projects would be to take the original Amityville Horror book, which I don't think is true in any capacity, but make it uh, a television series. And so have every episode be one day. You just do one season, 27 episodes of what this family goes through. Nice. It'd be like a cool little experiment, I guess. Anyway, but whatever. Now, would you lean heavily into uh, like the fact that they're like broke and they're making this stuff up or would you really just make it supernatural-esque? I think I would make it supernatural-esque and, and lean into that maybe more. Uh, in, in the book, they talk about like a demonic hooded figure that follows them to different houses and stuff like that. And that would be some cool imagery. Plus that fucking, the pig, Jody the pig is a terrifying a pig talking to you is sort of scary to me, uh, much like that lamb trailer. So that would be a, a fun thing to do. And maybe do like a, that'd be cool to do a side project. So you do the TV show as a season and then you make a movie about how they faked it all. Like that would be a cool little idea. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, da-da-da. so let's move on to trailers because we got a shit ton of trailers. Here's the trailer music. Okay, so our next film is a musical, which I know Chad's a huge fan of. Um, and it is uh, going to be on Netflix, directed by Lynn manuel Miranda. Uh, tick, Tick, Boom, written by Jonathan Larson and Steven Levinson. It stars Vanessa Hudgens, who is just fine as fuck. Andrew Garfield, who I suppose is fine as fuck. I don't understand how to quantify that. Bradley Whitford plays Steven Sondheim. Mike, uh, Michaela J. Rodriguez, Alexandra Shipp, who I've had the pleasure of working with, Judith Light, Joshua Henry, Joanna Adler, Noah Robbins, Robin DeJesus, uh, Mason Versa, Beth Malone. And I want to say I saw Leslie Odom Jr. in that trailer somewhere. Um, well, he's in another one that we watched for sure. For sure. Yeah, and that one looks great too. So Tick, Tick, Boom uh, is a classic musical uh, on the cusp of his 30th birthday. A promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressure of life as an artist in New York City. Chad, what do you think about the trailer for Tick, Tick, Boom? Uh, before that, you said something. So first of all, I love Alexandra Ship. Tragedy Girls, I love her so much. What have you worked with her in? Uh, I was in Shaft. She played... Um, uh, the grandson of Richard Roundtree's girlfriend. How old was she in that? Do you think? I mean, was she like a kid or was she like a teenager? Or... I think she's like 20 at least. I think. Okay. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't remember how long ago shaft was. Not, she not, doesn't seem. Not the Samuel L. Jackson one, but the, the most recent one. So like two, three years ago. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Then yeah, we're on the same page. Okay. Sorry to take that tangent there. Um, so listen, 
you made that as a joke. Like I don't like musicals. I do like musicals. They're fine. I, do, I don't like dislike musicals. I musicals are fine. Uh, I think that Andrew Garfield's probably going to win an Oscar one day. Cause it seems like he's trying. He's going for with, it hard. Yeah. With all of the dis like it's like every, he's got like three movies that are coming out this year that you could be like, yeah, I can see him maybe getting nominated for an Oscar for that. It's like three in one year. You know what I mean? So that's what he's going for. Uh, like I said, I love Chip. She's awesome. You know, if you're into this this kind of thing, it's probably good. Uh, my wife will probably say, let's watch this. Yeah. And it wasn't uh, anything where I was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to see that at all. If that ended up being on, yeah, I'd check it out. Yeah. And for, for me, I'm a theater kid, so I'm obligated to like musicals. But the one musical I could never really sink my teeth into was Rent, which is Jonathan Larson's most famous one. And I always preferred Tick, Tick, Boom to Rent. I love the tick tick musical um and i really really like alex is awesome she's super fucking talented she's incredible uh, everything she does uh vanessa hudgens i think is a superstar and i'm shocked she's not a bigger star than she is and i think andrew garfield is a serious actor that's dedicated to everything he's doing and i fucking love lin-manuel miranda so sign me up all of the components are there for me and it's gonna be on netflix so everything i like about this i like um so that's how i feel about that uh and and it's also kind of how i feel about the next one as well uh a very different tone of film this one's directed by guillermo del toro uh it stars bradley cooper uh kate blanchett rooney mara willem dafoe paul anderson tony collette ron perlman mary steenbergen holt mccallany uh tim blake nelson david strathern clifton collins jr jim beaver richard jenkins uh romina power david hewlett laura jean chora stecky and troy james this is nightmare alley so uh, Nightmare Alley, based on a classical book, an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words, hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. Um, so based on the novel by William Lindsay Gresham, uh, it's a classic come to life. It's been made as a film before, but this is a highly anticipated remake of that. What did you feel about the trailer for Nightmare Alley? Well, I mean, you just said it a minute ago when you named that cast. That's a great cast great cast yeah i mean it's awesome and then del toro him and it as far as Gilmore del toro goes his films are really a like to love you yeah. know he doesn't make like bad films yeah like i like his films a lot or i love them uh, i need to see more about this because i'm not familiar with this story or like i, I, I thought i'd saw that there was a, a movie before this but i wasn't familiar with that so i don't really know anything about this except for what the trailer showed us which was largely a tease yeah so uh i mean i'm on board to watch this you know it's called nightmare alley and del toro directed it and it's got that cast i'm checking and, it out and it's about carnies and so del toro <laughs> and carnies yes please please all it's day like long. freaks or something yeah exactly I'm, I'm here for that all day long uh this next one i don't know if i'll feel the same way it's drastically different than what we've been talking about but here we go directed by andrew irwin and john irwin it stars zachary levi anna paquin dennis quaid adam baldwin uh bruce mcgill uh oj keith simpson uh brett varvel kevin downs bryce brooke bauer bo hart um and it is called american underdog the story of the nfl mvp and hall of fame quarterback kurt warner who went from stocking shelves at a supermarket to becoming an american football star how'd you feel about the trailer for american underdog so 
I'm a big fan of the NFL, so I know Kurt Warner's story. Yeah. Like I'm familiar with this. I knew all this. And to be honest, it's hard not to root for Kurt Warner. Yeah. Because of, you know, the whole thing. And it's hard not to like Zachary Levi. Yeah. So he's Shazam. You know, I mean, clearly. Yeah. And he, he just seems like a good dude. He seems funny. Um, so this is just something though where it just really depends. Uh, you know, would it be like the next Rudy? You know, who knows? This could be something that a lot of guys really get behind yeah. and, and love this story. Um, that being said, I don't think it's going to be the next Rudy or anything like that. I don't think it's it's going to have that pedigree or anything like that. But that's just something more, you know, I'm not going to rush out to see this. Yeah. But if it's on a streaming service and I'm not running across, I'm like, yeah, let's check that out. Maybe. Yeah. That's where I'm at with that. I, I, I like everybody involved that I know, and, and I, I'm vaguely familiar with the story, so I like the story. And I like I do like a good underdog story and all that jazz. And I like Zachary Levi. And at first I was like, oh, is he going for his Oscar with this? And then there was like a comment about, and his faith got him through. And I'm like, no, I'm not going for an Oscar with this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of the way I felt about it. Um, so I wonder I, if they're going to lean heavily into I don't know. what they think, because Kurt Warner is like, Super. definitely yeah you know i don't even know what the term is like he, i don't want to say super christian but he's definitely out in a christian and yeah, definitely yeah. he's a christian with a cape on he's a super christian definitely yeah but uh, which is fine that's totally cool um and it's totally fine to have that elements but i didn't know the beginning of this looked more like and again no offense but it looked more like a real movie than a faith-based movie and then by the end, I was like left wondering, like, which one is it? You know, because faith-based movies seem to have a specific quality about them that targets them to their specific base, right? And and I wonder if this will go that same path. Yeah, it's just weird because I just, I think Zachary Levi is a bigger star than just doing a faith-based movie. Yeah. So it's very, like you said, it's tricky. I don't know what this one is. Yeah, me either. Um, but the next one I kind of have a good feeling about, uh, directed my, by Miguel uh, Sapochnik, uh, starring Tom Hanks, Caleb Landry Jones, who I'm a big fan of. I kind of feel he's problematic. I don't know. Laura Martinez Cunningham. Uh, it tells the story of a post-apocalyptic Earth where a robot built to protect the life of his creator's beloved dog learns about life, love, friendship, and what it means to be human. This is the Apple TV Plus film, Finch. Uh, what did you think about the trailer for Finch? This is one where I would say, uh, Rob, it's too bad you didn't watch this trailer because you probably like this one. This seems like a Rob Prago movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know what? It's funny. It just really reminded me. I thought, oh, this is just Castaway with, instead of Wilson, a robot. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. He's, yeah. he's going back to like something that, you know, was hugely popular. So this one really is just like a maybe for me. You know, it didn't like blow me away. I love Tom Hanks. You know, yeah. he's, he's awesome on apple i have apple plus currently but i think it's just because it's part of a free deal i have for a year so it really just depends i don't know if i'd re-up apple to watch this movie that's where i'm at i like to me it has the purest things in the world it has a dog a robot that hasn't learned to kill yet and tom hanks and that's (laughs) that's happiness so i'm i'm here for that i don't know if i can say the same about our next film um directed and written by john swab starring the person who i think is on more trailers than any other human that we that we talk about here frank grillo <laughs> deborah and wall and josh hartnett and somebody else in this bow nap 
Melissa Leo is amazing as always. William Forsyth, Mark Boone Jr., Sophia Hublitz, John Swab himself plays a character in it. Nicholas Cirillo, uh, George Carroll, Billy Blair, Bruce Davis. Uh, it's the film called Ida Red. Uh, Ida Red uh, Walker may not survive her terminal illness while incarcerated for armed robbery. She turns to her son, Wyatt, for one last job and a chance to reign her freedom, uh, regain her freedom. I can't read, but I still said it dramatically, so I think that counts. <laughs> what a Donald Trump trick of mine. Reign her freedom. We're going to reign it. It's going to be rainful. Um, so did this one capture your heart? Does this one steal your attention? No, it did not capture my heart or steal my attention. Uh, it's funny you said the thing about Grillo because it, I think Frank Grillo is the Eric Roberts of trailers for our podcast. Yeah. And always wearing the same fucking hat. <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> That's why, you know, Rob's joke is whoa, 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 you know, Grillo doesn't talk about his credits because he doesn't have time. Yeah, there's two minutes. He's in everything. Yeah. He's in everything. <laughs> and I like I like Josh Hartnett. I like Melissa Leo. I'm probably not gonna watch this. This didn't. I like Josh Hartnett too, but I thought, where's Josh Hartnett been? Like I haven't like I haven't seen him in forever in anything. Yeah. And you know, there was a time when I really wanted him to be Arthur Curry because I just thought he would be awesome at it. Um, but yeah, I'm not. That time has passed, and I'm not. I'm probably not gonna watch this. Uh, yeah, always great in h2o buddy always great in that uh our next film uh is a horror film that maybe chad and i will watch for our halloween uh extravaganza it's going to be on amazon prime directed by marit lee go uh starring nicole barr mason beauchamp and asha cooper a teenage girl with self-esteem issues finds confidence in the most unlikely way by spending her summer battling vampires that prey on new orleans disenfranchised by preying on New Orleans's disenfranchised with the help of her best friend, the boy she's always pined for, and a peculiar rich girl. I can't fucking talk. The name of this movie is Black as Night. And it seems like a fun vampire romp through New Orleans by Blumhouse Television. It also features Keith David in it. So anytime Keith David shows up, I'm happy. Um, what did you think about this trailer for Black as Night? So, you know, how I feel about Blumhouse. I love Blumhouse, but this is Blumhouse TV. It's not, even though it's a film, it's not the main Blumhouse. And I, I feel that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like a, a big main Blumhouse film. I think a lot of the Blumhouse movies, even when they're trading familiar ground, it seems like they're doing something a little bit different. There's like a twist or something on it that really, that I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to see that because I want to see how they handle that. I didn't really feel that way with this. It just seemed like your standard, uh, for the most part, vampire film. That being said, though, it's Blumhouse. It's on Prime. I'll probably watch it this Halloween month. Yeah, me too. I, I think there's something to be said about underrepresented people or the disenfranchised not having representation within specific genres, right? So you have... It's hard for me to think of a Harry Potter equivalent within the African-American culture or to think of a monster squad equivalent within the African-American culture. And I feel like this or even Buffy the Vampire Slayer, maybe that's what this is going for, you know, um, to be that uh, arguably you have Blade, but that doesn't count. So I, I'm interested in it uh, to see, you know, this young black girl kick ass of vampires that sounds like a fun time in new orleans fuck yeah let's, let's see what happens there uh it sounds it sounds entertaining to me um and this next one does as well uh by 
everybody's favorite studio, A24, is releasing Joel Cohen's written, uh, for the screen at least, and directed film, The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, Brendan Gleeson, uh, Harry Melling, Brian Thompson, Ralph Innocent, Corey Hawkins. Al- oh, that's awesome. He's playing Macduff. That's fucking dope as shit. Alex Hassel. I'm just going to be nerdy uh, here for a second. Uh, <laughs> Sean Patrick Thomas, Miles Anderson, James Udom. Um, I think those are all the people I recognize. And so it's a retelling of William Shakespeare's classic play done in black and white. A Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. What do you think about the very short trailer for The Tragedy of Macbeth? Said it was very short, but I, uh, in general, for the most part, am not a fan of the Coen Brothers films. Oh my God. I like... Raising Arizona, No Country for Old Men, and True Grit. Those are great ones. Those are all good. That's about it, though. Because I feel like I feel like other than Raising Arizona, No Country and True Grit are the most straightforward films of theirs. It's not like outlandish for the most part, mm-hmm. you know. So with this being half of the Coen Brothers, is it going to be half as bad to me? That's what I'm wondering. You know. I, th- I think it's going to be just as artistically outlandish because it, they're making some artistic choices. You know, yeah, it's like stark white, like nothing in the background. I mean, it certainly catches your eye. Yeah, I would say that. Um, and I'm, you know, by the pricking of my thumb, I think something fun this way comes with it. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, it's got all my nerd juices flowing. A24, an overdramatic Shakespeare? Yeah. Sign me the fuck up. Um, I doubt I will watch that. It's uh, it's funny for uh, my daughter just had her birthday, and she got an A24 shirt for her birthday, and she was just, like, loving every minute of it. That's and awesome. I'm like... Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um... All right, so moving along to our next film, uh, Needle in a Time Stack, uh, directed by John Ridley, uh, who also wrote it based on the book by Robert Robert Silverberg, starring Frida Pinto, Leslie Odom Jr., Orlando Bloom, Cynthia Erivo. Uh, I don't know if I know anybody else in this castless i don't think i do um the story is nick and janine live in marital bliss until janine's ex-husband warps time to try to tear them apart as nick's memories disappear he must decide what he's willing to sacrifice in order to hold on to or let go of everything he loves from the trailer i did not get that ex-husband no thing at all <laughs> but that makes it even more interesting and compelling to me uh what did you think about this trailer for a uh, needle in a time stack so this this was a maybe for me. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea, I like the concept. I just don't want it to lean so you know so heavily on like, is it going to be like eighty percent love story and twenty percent like high concept time travel? Yeah, which I feel like that might be the case. And then I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I have to set through all this just to get to the cool stuff. Uh, <laughs> but the ex husband thing, like which I didn't know about, you know, again that piques my interest even more. Yeah, and I really like Leslie Odom Jr. Like, I think he's really fucking talented. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I'm I'm here for this, even if it has the romancy schmaltzy thing. I I can cry and drink wine for a night. That's fine. <laughs> I'll get my rosé out. Um, but I don't know what to pair with this next film. Probably milk, a saucer of milk. Uh, the next one is directed by Will Sharp. It stars uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Taika Waititi, Amy Lee Wood, uh, Claire Foy, Andrea Riseborough, Olivia Coleman, who I love, Sofia Del Martino, who we know from uh, Loki, uh, Jamie Dimitriou, Kiki May, Toby Jones. Um, uh, those are the only people I instantly recognize. Julian Barat. Uh, it is called, make sure I get this title right because it's weird, The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. English artist Louis Wayne, Louis Wayne, something like that, rises to prominence at the end of the 19th century for his surreal cat paintings. Now, Chad, did this scratch at your heartstrings? Did this uh, I beg you to take me out and watch me. Uh, how, how do you feel about this one? So I get to tell you what you pair with this. Red Bull. Because you're going to fall asleep if you watch this movie. So you need to kick back about five Red Bulls. About fell asleep during the trailer. Oh. About fell asleep with you reading the plot synopsis just then. <laughs> I love Cumberbatch. I love him. He's a great actor. But this did nothing for me. Are you kidding me? You have I'm no like, joy what? in your I, heart. I thought, what is Cumberbatch even doing being in this movie? Oh it, my gosh. It looks what so a waste of if it took him three weeks or a month to shoot this movie, he's wasted four weeks of his life. Ridiculous. He looks exactly. So I agree, Keith. It's ridiculous. He looks so <laughs> silly and so whimsical in this movie. Plus, it's about the the progenitor of cat memes. Yeah, that's fucking perfect. I'm so excited about this. It's on Amazon Prime. I cannot wait to watch it. I'm going to watch it nine times. Just releases November 5th. And the poster is like a beautiful cat picture. It looks fucking, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm Released November 5th, forgotten on November 6th. Got oh, it. my God. Well, I think you have to remember remember the 5th of November. Um, but going from <laughs> cats to birds, let's talk about our next one. Uh, directed by Sarah Adina Smith, written by A.K. Small, who wrote the book. Um, and Sarah Adina Smith adapted it, starring Diana Silvers, Christine Frosseth, Jacqueline Bissett. Uh, I think this is a prime video as well, and I think it's out. Uh, it's called Birds of Paradise. Two girls at an elite Parisian ballet academy have their bond and uh, bodies tested as they compete for a contract to join the company of the Opera Nationale de Paris. Uh, what did you think about the trailer for Birds of Paradise? So this is either the third or the fourth prime movie that you have on the list, and I feel like you're like on the payroll or something just because you're just throwing these prime movies out there that really? no one needs to watch. Yeah, no. I mean, it's like... just like, come on. And then the fact that you like casually say, I think it's on prime. I'm not 100% sure. It leads me even more to believe yeah. that you're trying to like, it's, you know, when you do a uh, an ad read and you're trying to make it sound like it's really a part Natural. of the show. I'm hungry. I wish I had Hello Fresh. Hello <laughs> <Yeah>. Fresh. <laughs> Exactly. By the way, uh, with my horror movie watch, you can find uh, my list on Letterbox. I'm making a list on Letterbox. I need to sign up for the horror movie watch. So you can follow along to see which at least 31 horror films I'm going to watch. It will be more, but at least 31. And that's completely natural. Me talking about Letterbox. (laughs) 
completely. <laughs> Letterbox is a good place to, to put things. And, you know, when you need to put things there, you need to make sure you use a VPN. That's why I always... <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, fuck Birds of Paradise. It doesn't look good. It looks like a weird Suspiria meets Seance meets Les- Lex Swan? lesbian thing. Yeah, that's uh, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm whatever. Uh, the next one, let's move on, uh, is a television series on Netflix. Um it's a Korean television show called Hellbound. People hear predictions on when they will die. When that time comes, a death angel appears in front of them and kills them. That's all the synopsis says. In the trailer, though, you see like the fucking thing's cousin <laughs> coming after people, and it looks intense as fuck. Starring Yu Ah-in, Kim Hyun-ju, Jong Min Park, Jin Ah-won, Chase Yi, uh, and Do Yoon Kim. Um, what did you think about the trailer for Hellbound? Does it have you on fire burning to see it? Well, you know, I knew it was called Hellbound, but even at the beginning, I was like, is this like a sequel to Death Note? Because it uh, seemed yeah. very much like Death Note, the angel of, or whatever, the angel of death or whatever it was. And then you're talking about how you're going to die and you know when you're going to die. It definitely seemed like it had something to do with Death Note. Yeah. Um, but it looked awesome. It looked super cool. It looked fun. And then it said, you know, I, I say this, I feel like every time we do the podcast, and then it was like a series. And I'm like, oh, man, I would be on board 100% if this was a movie. I'd watch it as soon as it came out. The fact that it's a series, I still might watch this one, though, because uh, this one looked pretty cool to me. Yeah, I, I thought the effects was super awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. It looks like a lot of fun to me. Um, uh, the next one it looks interesting to me. It's very compelling. It's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, written and directed by him. And he's obviously a fantastic, fantastic writer and director, uh, starring Elena Haim, uh, Skylar Gassando, Emma Dermont, Bradley Cooper, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, who's my hero, uh, Maya Rudolph, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, uh, Benny Safdie, John C. Riley, Emily Outhouse, Joseph Cross, Fatima Hassan, Joanne Coleman, uh, and there's all the people I recognize in that. Um, and it is Licorice Pizza, the story of Elena Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley of 1973. Uh, I, I'm assuming this Gary Valentine is based on the actual actor Gary Valentine, who... Is it I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry? I don't know if it really is. I, it seems like that can't be the case. Uh, but, but what about you? Do you want a slice of licorice pizza? How do you feel about it? Uh, so the trailer looks really good. Like you said, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's a great director. This is not really a story that interests me, but I still feel like I'm going to watch this one. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like it's going to be one of those where it, it's going to be so good that you can't maybe not help but watch it. Yeah, yeah. It, it just looks classic. And I, and I, the story matter didn't really interest me, but to see Paul Thomas Anderson do this type of love story, okay, you've piqued my interest. He has to find something interesting in it. So I, I would be intrigued to see what that interest is for him um, because I love all of his movies. I think he's just a very skilled uh, writer and director. Also, I want to point out that the voice director for um, uh, Star Wars terrifying tales is mary elizabeth mcglynn who's a friend of mine who was in a film of uh, mine so just a shout out to her she's not listening nice to me, but so yeah um 
So cool, that's Licorice Pizza. But let's dig into the next one and try to see if we can take a bite out of this. Um, it is, I don't think it's A24, but it probably should. <laughs> Might as well be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, written and directed by Natalie Biancheri, starring Lily Rose Depp, George McKay, and Patty Considine. Um, also Terry Notary, Martin McCann, Lola Pettigrew, Fiona Shea, Eileen Walsh, Sean Jennings, Amy Mackin. Um, this movie looks interesting. It's called Wolf, a high concept art house drama about a boy who believes he is a wolf, also known as clinical lycanthropy. Um, it's an actual condition that people suffer from. Uh, Chad, what did you think about the trailer for Wolf? Because you said it's an actual condition, it's hard for me to make fun of this so yeah. i'm not going to make fun of it i will so just wait till it's my turn but go ahead <laughs> no, i just thought this was odd it, you know it was like you said is i guess high concept art house it was more art house than high concept i agree <laughs> come I agree on i the, the trailer was cut so weird that at the beginning i thought it was a foreign film and you know how sometimes in foreign films they'll try to hide the fact that the dialogue doesn't match the lips and i thought that's what was happening and then i saw depp's kid and i'm like oh but she does speak like she's french right so maybe it still is but then everything started syncing up and i'm like i don't fucking know if this is a, a foreign film or not um but I, I, I don't think this is going to be the werewolf movie I find that convinces you <laughs> werewolf movies are good. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll never know because I'm not watching it. Yeah. <laughs> I probably will one day when I'm stoned. Uh, but the next one, it will not require any illicit drugs for me to enjoy. Uh, and this is probably the movie I'm looking forward to the most in the entire world. I think it comes out this week uh, on October 8th on Disney Plus, uh, directed by Kirk R. Thatcher, starring Will Arnett, Danny Trejo, Chrissy Metz, uh, Ed Asner. Uh, and I think this is his last performance. Taraji P. Henson, Yvette Nicole Brown, Darren Chris, Sahir Zamata, John Stamos. That's right. Let me say that one more time so you get it. John Stamos, Craig Robinson, uh, Justina Mikado, Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, Sky Jackson, uh, Brian Henson, Pat Sajak, uh, Matt Vogel, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy. The list. Talk about a cast. Uh, this is a course. <laughs> <laughs> Muppet Haunted Mansion. On Halloween night, Gonzo is challenged to spend one night in the Haunted Mansion. Chad, what do you think about this amazing fucking trailer? So, you know, the gist of it is, if you're a Muppets person, if you like the Muppets, this looks good. Yeah. It's a, it's a Muppets. It's just another Muppets movie, you know, in the vein of, you know, whatever, great Muppet capers, things like that. It's It's, yeah. it's fine. If you like the Muppets, you're going to watch this movie. It's strange that you picked like the worst Muppet movie to reference in that example. <laughs> that All right. So, so what's the best one? Let's hear it. Probably Christmas Carol. I would say probably Muppet Christmas Carol. Though there is like a really great scene in Muppet Wizard of Oz, which is not the best one, but Quentin Tarantino's in that and threatens Kermit the Frog with a samurai sword, which is like my favorite scene in cinema history. Um, but I take it just from your flip it dismissal how good this preview was you're not a muppet guy no not a muppet guy how no. are you fucking not a muppet guy what year were you born let me ask this what year were you born 1978 were you really <laughs> okay so you said gonna... that like a long time ago I, I thought we were closer in age but that's totally fine that's all at least we're not born in 1938 like rob so but the muppets was right, right the actual muppet show was right there at your time period right 
you know, I did not dig the Muppets television show. Just I just found it like corny and stupid. It's amazing. It's, it's <laughs> mispronounced phenomenal. It's, it's <laughs> I just feel like to me, the Muppets, I think, is my Bob Ross. Like, because some people will watch Bob Ross and it just elicits them with this purity and joy. Sure. The Muppets, that's every time I see them, no matter what they're saying, it's like, yes, just rain it upon me. Rain this in. Mine is Michael Myers, probably. That's my. The, the killer or the. Yeah, yeah, the killer. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, big fan of the love guru. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel that that show is going to be haunting, but let's go ahead and heat things up with another television show trailer that was released today uh the day of this recording uh i don't know when this is gonna be released hopefully soon um but created by ryan j condal and george rr martin it stars millie alcock eve best emily carey matt smith um patty condestine who was in a previous thing that we just talked about olivia cook ryan core emma darcy uh fabian frankel jefferson hall david horovich reese efans Graham McTavish, that's awesome. Uh, Sonoya Mizuno, Matthew Needham, Bill Patterson, uh, Gavin Spokes, and Steve Toussaint. Uh, this is the new HBO show, House of the Dragon. The story of the House Targaryen. Targaryen? I don't know. Targaryen. Targaryen. So you're not a Game of Thrones guy, then? I've never watched. I, I've watched the first couple of episodes, but that's it. That's um, Targaryen. Targaryen set 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones and it has the date that Game of Thrones was released 2011 so I, I feel that's confusing don't put that there because then I'm going to think oh this show takes place in 1811 like fuck you um, so this is a prequel show to Game of Thrones which I hear is vaguely popular um, how did you feel about the trailer plus you know is there more than one Game of Thrones out there that they feel the need to be like, we're talking about the one that came out in 2011? Exactly. Not the Vincent Price movie from, you know, 1938? Like, I wonder if there is another adaptation of Game of Thrones. There has to be. Like, that's, there has to they be put that year for you to do that. Because I know, like, Handmaid's Tale has another, has a movie that came out in the 90s that nobody ever talks about, right? Right. Uh, I wonder if there was ever one over here. Uh, you look that up, or I'll look that up while you're telling me what you think about uh, this. So I love Game of Thrones. Uh, I loved every minute of it, even the last season, which, you know, people are like, they were like, hashtag redo the entire last season. Yeah. I didn't feel that way at all. The ending was definitely underwhelming, but I was not like, oh my God, this is horrible. You've ruined one of my favorite shows. But I love Game of Thrones. I've, I've read all the books, didn't go through the ending. You know, he's not finished or whatever. Yeah. But so I'm a huge fan. So I'm definitely going to watch this. That being said, one of the reasons why I was talking about the Star Wars terrifying tales, I like that we're going forward. Yeah. Even if, it, even if you can say it's not canon or whatever it is, I want to go forward. Go 200 years in the future. And I'm not talking about, you know, space travel just you know whatever yeah this one looks like even though it's 200 years in the past it looks the exact same aesthetically you can go 200 years in the future in this world and still be the same aesthetically and then i just feel like the whole thing is they like having prequels because it's like oh we can do a nod to this and then people will see this sword that we used in this and it's like a nice easter egg i don't I don't care about that as much. I'd rather see what's going to happen next. I know the Game of Thrones story. That being said, I'm still going to watch it. Yeah. 
I, I feel that, well, first of all, I, I couldn't find a, another Game of Thrones. There's a bunch of Game of Thrones stuff, clearly. There's like an animated film that came out in 2017 that tells the history. Oh, then they don't want you to be confused with the animated film, I'm sure. <laughs> but I think those are all like in the same world. There's also a Telltale yeah. video game series. Uh, and then there's a 2003 narrated book version of it, uh, I guess. I don't know. So it's, whatever. I, I think to me, I totally see what you're saying. Like, I, I, Especially with, with a... Uh, like Marvel or something like that. I'm very interested always in the future. I, I want to know more about where we're going next. What's the next challenge going to be? How are you going to up the ante? Um, but, but I understand from the creative standpoint how a lot of people put this pride in the idea of prequels because that connective tissue sort of writes itself. It gives you a direction of where to go. How do we get to Darth Vader? cool that's a story that's a compelling story that i feel sometimes makes me lose interest in the original property like sometimes it cheapens it for me right uh and don't get me wrong i think star wars is is leaning into that even the book of boba fett is going to be i'm assuming how we get from return of the jedi to force awakens right to some degree but and, and i like the rob zombie halloween I didn't necessarily need to know why Michael Myers was killing people. Right. It was scarier the fact he was just arbitrarily doing it. Um, and not being a Game of Thrones fan or, you know, being familiar with it, I, I liked what I saw. Um, part of me is skeptical because I'm like, it feels like a cash grab again. We're just going back to the well, trying to make everything into a universe that we can have infinite properties spinning off of. Um, and I and another part of me is skeptical and think it's going to fail just because Matt Smith does not have a great track record when it comes to recreating things. Like if Matt Smith's in it, I'll probably enjoy it, but nobody else probably will. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then, is this the Mad King or is that closer to? So, so I don't know if the Mad King is two hundred years ago, but I don't. Let me take that back. He's not two hundred years ago. Okay, the Mad King was definitely killed by one of the characters on the show proper okay like in the sean past. bean was involved in that yes sean bean was involved in the in taking over the throne and killing the mad king gotcha. uh because it's uh so it's definitely not the mad king but it could be someone that they mentioned you know uh i would say though matt smith just because he's involved doesn't mean if it's anything like game of thrones He's going to be involved for long. Yeah. On, on the uh, on the IMDb, it has him listed as 10 episodes, but it does have him listed as the bottom of the thing. So there might be, we're going to have him in all the previously on <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, maybe he's their new Sean Bean, but I don't know. Um, I, I might give Game of Thrones a try one day, one day when I'm not busy watching. It's excellent. I love Game of Thrones. Well, I hope I share the same love for our next project. It's been a long-awaited adaptation, but it has finally come in television format. uh, Created by Neil Gaiman, uh, who's awesome, David S. Goyer, who can suck a dick, and Alan Heidberg. Let me just say how I feel, really. Probably shouldn't have said that, but fine. (laughs) Uh, I I stand by it. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, uh, Vivian uh, Ashimpong, Sanjeev Bashkar, 
Ashim Chaudhry, Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, Jenna Coleman, Charles Dance, Stephen Fry, Boyd Holbrook, Kirby Howell Baptiste, uh, Sandra James Young, Razan Jamal, John Cameron Mitchell, Mason Alexander Park, Patton Oswald as Matthew the Raven, Donna Preston as Despair, Kyle Ra, uh, Tom Sturridge as Dream, and Jolie Richardson as Ethel Cripps. Um, this is obviously Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. On Netflix. Upon escaping after decades of imprisonment by a mortal wizard, Dream, the personification of dreams, sets about to reclaim his lost equipment. So this was almost a clip, but they listed it as a trailer. So that's why I think it, it skates by the very stringent rules of Chad. Exactly. Uh, not my rules, the rules of this podcast. Yes, sir. Buddy. Yes, sir. If I'm not on the podcast, you still can't do clips. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, how did you feel about the trailer for Sandman? It's funny. We we're just talking about Game of Thrones now. It's like a phenomenon because there's several Game of Thrones people in, in this. I, Charles Dance. And even, you know, yeah, even with Charles Dance, like that's, he was a major player in Game of Thrones. And, you know, uh, I feel like that's intentional. The fact that this trailer was was him talking. You know what I mean? This is like let's get some of the Game of Thrones. Recognize that voice. That, yeah, this is definitely some Game of Thrones vibes. But then you've got the Neil Gaiman fans. Um, you know, so I read. I believe as far as Sandman goes, maybe the first two like omnibuses, which are oh. you know big, and I enjoyed them. Like they yeah, were. I love it. They, they were very good. I never because uh, it's just so much. I never finished the story. Yeah, you know, so this is something I'll probably check out. You know, as long as uh, it's, you know, I hear that it's pretty good because it looked good. You know, it looked fine. So, you know, same as an epic, epic story. One hundred percent. So, and it does. It's going to be curious because there's a lot of things in that, in the comic, that is. I'm thinking like, you know, how are they going to do that? How are they going to make it look, uh, not necessarily believable, but not stupid? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, I, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the comic. It is arguably one of the most seminal comics of all time, right? Uh, people always put it on their go-to list because it is such a, a breathtaking work. I know Gaiman was involved in this adaptation and modernizing it. So it's going to take place in a more modern time. Um, and, and I talk shit about Goyer rightfully fucking so because he's a douchebag in real life but uh and he's a conceited douchebag too so fuck him wow but uh, yeah i'm laying it down i met him on uh constantine and he just did not leave a good impression with anybody that, that had to encounter him so but and, think, and he's not that like super popular slash talented i mean he works but yeah, he's, he's not, not like christopher nolan or james cameron but he works with like nolan like i mean he did work on batman begins but he also did work on Man of Steel, and he also did work on, you know, some Ghost other. Rider? Uh, I don't know if Ghost Rider. I know he did work on what was the shitty one? He directed Blade Three, Blade Trinity. Um, so so yep. he works, but and and he gets paid much more than I'll ever get paid, but still just kind of a dick bag, and sometimes can lead the comics astray for his own self interest, you know. But I think Gaiman being there is a very comforting thing. And by no means do I have the inside track to say that Goyer is going to do that. Um, and I hope it turns out good because, again, some of the things he writes, I really, really enjoy. And uh, it's just his personality as a human I don't really care for. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for Sandman. I'll definitely watch it. It's comic book property, so I'll check that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that's, that's how I feel about it. The end.
probably mm. ruin my career in Hollywood. But thank God the strike is coming. So it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the strike. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's all we got. We, we ran through a shit ton of trailers, uh, a shit ton of movies. I'm going to go make uh, some hamburgers, I think, and, and feed puppies. So, yeah, two quick things to mention. Okay. Uh, it just released today on Netflix. Uh, it's a choose your own adventure with The Undertaker from WWE. It's live action. And I, I haven't seen it yet, but it's a spooky. You got to go in the Undertaker's mansion or something, and he's trying to kill you. And uh, well, I'm, that's going to be part of my Halloween viewing. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. So I'll definitely check out the Undertaker's haunted mansion or whatever it's called. Yeah. Or Muppet Dinner? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But then, I just uh, want to imagine that. Let me just play that conversation in my mind real quick. Uh, hey, pleasure to see you there. <laughs> Rest in peace, piece of cookie, and then like that whole scene to <laughs> be amazing. That'd be so good. And then you'll have Paul Bear like, uh, "Oh yes, Gonzo." He already Don't sounds like it. a Muppet, like totally. <laughs> On Taker, find these Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see how that one goes, but I'm definitely checking that one out. And then, uh, I don't know. I heard this rumor. Nothing's been like, have you heard anything about Daredevil season four to Disney Plus? I heard I heard something that said Echo was going to get her own show on Disney Plus and that that would act as a Daredevil season four. But I think all of it is just speculation. I have no doubt that Echo will get her own show. I think everything else is just, it's Mephisto. It, he's, he's really Quicksilver. It's really, that's who he is. Like everything else is that. People just want it so fucking bad. They're trying to will it to happen. And maybe it will. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I did not think that Tom Hardy would cross over with Tom Holland at all. So, nah, you know, I kind of did. I, I was actually surprised at the end of the first Venom movie that, that it didn't uh, show. And I don't mean that it like did the weird thing it did in this one where he just like, morphed into a different universe or whatever i just really thought that he, it was just going to be like hey there's tom holland swinging around you know what yeah I mean? it's such a weird oh god back to this now she's ruining my night again <laughs> such a shitty it's nice way. bookend <laughs> yeah <laughs> such a shitty like somewhere in time way to get somewhere else but even somewhere in time was better superman just concentrating on a time period and like i have a quarter no <laughs> like, but Fucking Venom is like, I will tell you secrets. Secrets will get you there. Or whatever the fuck happened. I don't know. It was so dumb. Oh, so dumb. Hate yeah, it. but it could be uh, have something to do with No Way Home. How, yeah, you I'm know, sure. Strange did something and it's just coincidental the way it happened. You know, similar to like uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. How the snap happened. Ant-Man and Wasp didn't know anything about the snap. But, you know, they all disappeared in the snap way. I'm sure that's what's going to happen because I feel the important thing to remember here is that the people that are making Spider-Man No Way Home are um, good filmmakers. So <laughs> they will pick up the slack forever. I feel like it's uh, Ryan Johnson after watching The Force Awakens. He's like, this is what I got to fucking do. God damn it. Okay, let me do the heavy lifting. Here's how we make this into a story that's interesting. <laughs> and that's exactly what the Spider-Man No Way Home guys are going to have to do. With that bullshit venom, and fuck David Goyer, and fuck James <laughs> Franco. 
And thanks for joining us. Rob Prago, too. Yeah. We don't care Rob about Rob him. Rob Prago, he's an asshole. He's just like... <laughs> I almost compared him to Bill Cosby, but I don't think that would be good for him. Um, They're just the same age. Yeah, that's how it's all it is. I think Rob's a little older. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Chad, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter, Chad129x. Also on Letterboxd, Chad129x. Letterbox, that's wonderful. And guys, if you're going to Letterbox, the best way to do that is through a VPN. What a VPN does is... <laughs> and then our podcast is on Twitter, NQC Podcast. Awesome. And if you're looking for me, stop. Uh, but if you desperately need to find me, look up. Unless you are Alexandra Ship, then yeah. you can find him. She has a lovely girlfriend now, and, and her girlfriend's cute as well. Uh, but Alexandra, I'm the, the crazy white guy that sang to you a lot on set. That's who I am. So <laughs> um, and other than that, uh, yeah, you can find me at Robert Prago on Instagram or whatever. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. And stay tuned until next time. Uh, we're talking about the What If finale. And, and I'm going to check out Bond. I'm yeah, sure. It's time to die. Cool. Um, All right. All right. Bye, guys. Peace. We stopped this recording. Not Quite Cool is a podcast recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions. Thanks. Thanks.